Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of Inside the Huddle with Who's Your Huddle? I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Our other host, TJ Inman, will be joining us shortly. We have a great show today lined up for you. We have Alex McCarthy from 247 Sports and in Inside Indiana to uh, go over recruiting um, some big visits this week. Uh, also, Nick Holmes will be joining us. We are continuing our top five opposing uh, positions, uh, players at that position countdown. Uh, so he'll come down and give us his top five. We'll discuss that for a little. Uh, TJ, how are you today? I am doing great. Uh, I had a had a lot of fun last night watching uh, Kyle Schwarber lead the Cubbies to uh, to a win over the Reds pretty much by himself. It's it's, it's really cool to see see a guy that that we saw at Indiana um, playing for my my favorite major league team and having a huge impact. So uh, you know, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Uh, Four for seven, triple last shy night. of the cycle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he, he had a, a home run. Cycle, but... Yeah, yeah, he had a home run um, in the ninth inning to tie things up at four, and then the game winner in the thirteenth. Um, yeah, had a single and a double as well. So I mean, he's just an incredible hitter, and, and we knew that at, at IU, and it's just continuing at every level. He just destroys opposing pitching. It's a lot, of, a lot of fun to watch. Yep. Uh, all right. We're going to transition into some more football. A guy who probably doesn't want to talk about his baseball team uh, right now is uh, Alex McCarthy uh, from 247 Sports. Alex, uh, aside from your Tigers being 500, uh, how is your summer going? Uh, it's going okay. I knew as soon as you guys brought up baseball that there'd be some kind of uh, some kind of comment there about the Tigers, but uh, no, everything else is going pretty well. Um, you know, ready to get football season started here in 40-some days, um, you know, Big Ten Media Day is one of my favorite times of the year next week, and then before we know it, fall camp's going to be starting, and uh, yeah, we're we're almost there. Yeah, yeah, of course, the weather has changed from being extra rainy to sunny now that we're uh, transitioning into football season. Alex, there are some uh, big guys, in-state guys coming down for visits in Bloomington uh, who have been down this week and are coming in. Uh, this weekend, uh, can you tell us uh, who those guys are and a little bit about them, and, and what are their chances uh, IU actually lands an in-state guy? Because they haven't uh, landed an in-state guy this year, and uh, some people are are chomping at the bit at that. Yeah, definitely. That, that seems to be one of the big storylines of this class so far uh, that a lot of people are picking up on is that you know they started to build kind of a nice class, but none of those none of the guys committed so far are from in-state, which is a little bit odd, I guess, for uh, for a class to get started and um, and not have any in-state guys. But the thing is, and I was talking with uh, Javon Swan's coach the other day, and Javon Swan is probably IU's top in-state target, uh, defensive tackle out of Center Grove in Greenwood. And I was talking to his coach the other day, and he was just saying that, um, you know, Swan has been looking at some other schools earlier in the summer just because he knows IU so well that he wants to get kind of a, a better idea of, of what else is out there, more or less. And, and, and that's probably the case with a lot of these in-state kids. Is they're trying to, um, you know, IU has been recruiting them for a couple of years at this point. They know IU well. They know kind of what the deal is here. And so they're, they're looking elsewhere to kind of get a better idea. And we're seeing this week that a couple of them are, are still interested in IU. A couple of them are still going to be visiting a lot. 
uh, Cloyd Cronk, who's a big offensive tackle from Lafayette, is uh, well was in town yesterday and last night. He is, in a couple ways, I guess, one of Indiana's biggest in-state targets. Um, who was really busy earlier in the summer because his team made a run to the state final. And his baseball team um, made a run to the state final game, so he's only just starting to kind of start to take visits. So. Um, and I, I talked with him, and he said that the visit went really well, and he really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's his first visit since getting an offer about a month ago or a month or two ago. Um, and and so, it, yeah, Indiana hasn't really um, gotten the commitment from these guys, but still, a lot of them are, are very interested in IU and very um, are kind of have been talking with IU long term and have have some connections there. So uh, yeah, Kronk was in town yesterday. Um, Javon Swan's going to be in town tomorrow. It looks like. And uh, I'm looking at trying to get another couple guys in sometime soon. Uh, I know Brian Fitzgerald is a 2017 Avon guy, um, athlete, kind of multi-positional um, guy. He's going to try and get down probably this weekend, this week sometime. And then I usually trying hard to get uh, R.J. Potts, who's a four-star, safety from Fishers, uh, to try and get him down sometime soon. So um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, I'm starting to make a move, I guess, in terms of the, the in-state stuff. It, it took a while to, to get guys on campus uh, regularly, but it, it looks like heading into fall camp, heading into the season, that um, IU's going to start to be able to get some guys down. Now, uh, it is a big transition year for IU. It's Kevin Wilson's uh, fifth year. Um, if he goes through his fifth year with no bowl, I just – I don't – personally, I don't see how – uh, he survives that. Is there kind of a hesitation uh, in in-state recruits to see what happens or what develops in the first few games? Uh, if IU starts out 4-0 non-conference, uh, do you think that they'll have a better feeling about who's, uh, you know, the coaching staff being there? You said that they, they formed relationships with this staff, and, and that's huge. And, you know, you, as, a, as a staff, you can't stop recruiting these guys. But sometimes maybe do, do recruits think, hey, these guys might not be here uh, next year when I go to college and I should take my time and, and look around? Is that playing into a little bit of these lack of uh, commitments from in-state guys? Yeah, it might be a little bit. Um, but, you know, again, I was talking with Swan Stokes the other day, and he said that uh, a school's record didn't really have much to do with with his decision, but a relationship with the coaching staff does. So, uh, like you said, that kind of goes hand in hand. Where um, if Wilson's here for for half a decade and isn't able to get over the over the five win hump here, um, you know there might be a little bit of pressure to make a change, and and uh, that could definitely affect things. But uh, kids might be kind of waiting to waiting and seeing what happens in the non conference, what happens uh, kind of early in the season before they really pull the trigger with IU, I guess. Um, but it, it, it's much more about, you know, building relationships and, and uh, getting close to this coaching staff, figuring out stuff, you know, in terms of a fit academically, in terms of a fit living in the town and everything like that. Um, but I'm sure it's in the back of some people's minds because a lot of in-state kids, a lot of in-state coaches really, really like Indiana. Um, but I'm sure there's just a little bit of hesitation with, um, you know, I, this is as talented a team as, as – IU's had in the last few years. If this team can't get to a bowl game, um, and if this team is going to be losing Nate Sudfeld after this season, um, you know, then you kind of start to wonder, you know, when is this team going to be routinely 
competitive. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely a factor, and I think it's it's a factor with any um, with any program at Indiana's level where if you're not winning, if you're not at least competing for a bowl game, then it's, it's going to kind of um, not necessarily scare kids off, but it's, it's going to kind of let other schools kind of slip in front of you. So I, that's definitely going to be a factor here, especially with a, a non-conference that it's fairly easy with maybe the exception of that Western Kentucky game. Um, if you don't start, you know, three and one, four and out, something like that, maybe people will start to, to kind of wonder uh, what's going to be going on. Right. If they, if they do go two and two or uh, worse, one and three, which is, you know, almost out of the question, but a two and two start would really start cogs in motion about people talking, replacing uh, the staff or starting to look for the next coach. Um, so it is really important that they start off three and one. Uh, even four and zero oh is is very uh, manageable. Even though Western Kentucky uh, is their toughest non-conference game, they have a very talented team. But it is at home. Uh, Indiana should have enough offense, uh, offensive firepower. And even though the defense is a little young, they should have uh, enough uh, players in the secondary to come up with that uh, with a win there. Uh, Alex, uh, one more question uh, before we get you out of here. Um, The Antonio Allen situation is kind of blown over for the time being right now. Uh, Did that have any effect on in-state guys? I know it happened right when uh, IU was running their summer camps, uh, and it was all over the news, uh, all over the state. Uh, What kind of impact did that have on in-state recruits? Yeah, it it definitely was kind of unfortunate timing, even though I guess there really isn't any good timing for something like that to happen. But um, with camps going on and with, hundreds and hundreds of in-state guys coming through for team camps, for individual camps, for weekend stuff. Um, there were a couple, you know, I mean, word around the campfire more or less is that uh, there are a couple guys who um, were very interested in IU who maybe um, weren't maybe weren't as interested basically after the Antonio Allen stuff came out. Um, and I think we'll, we'll kind of get more of an idea of, of how deep this whole thing runs um, as time goes on and, and as stuff comes out, but um, it's always kind of a, a cause for hesitation when parents want to send their kids away to college, away to play football, and, and one of the football players, you know, gets caught um, feeling pretty hard drugs. So, um, you, you know, I, I don't blame kids for, for maybe wanting to, to look elsewhere because of that, but at the same time, for the most part, this is a team of, of pretty good kids, of, of high-character coaches, of um, – you know, until this off season, they really hadn't had that many issues, uh, and they've had a couple this off season. But I think it did, to an extent, have a little bit of a problem, and, and um, or a little bit of an effect adversely on on in-state recruiting. And it was also, you know, the fact that it was a really prominent Indianapolis kid, a really prominent in-state guy who kind of led the charge of getting a lot of in-state guys to Indiana. That didn't help as well. So. Um, you know, maybe in the short term, I think that had more of an effect than it will long term, unless this turns out to be some kind of deeper conspiracy controversy kind of thing. But uh, I, I think it'll, like you said, it's blown over a little bit now. But, um, you know, as the weeks go by, as the months go by, I think it'll fade even more. Um, and I think it won't have any huge long-lasting effect. Right. And, and I promise this is the final question uh, before we uh, let you go and enjoy uh, the rest of your day. Uh, Alex, just a quick prediction. Do you see uh, IU getting a, you know, a commit or a, a boom, as Kevin Wilson says, uh, before uh, the season starts? 
Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be surprising to see it before the season starts at some point, uh, whether it's in the next week or whether it's it, whether it's during fall camp when kids are kind of coming in, taking in practice, getting to see what this year's team looks like. Um, and you know as well as I do after after watching some practices at IU that there's a lot of energy at those practices. They, they have a lot of fun. They work really hard. Um, and I think any high school kid would be would be fairly impressed and fairly attracted by these practices that they have where they're bumping music, where they're, you know, giving high fives, where they're joking around, but where they're where they're really working hard and hitting hard and doing everything. So um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see uh, one or two guys maybe pop, you know, before the season starts during fall camp um, where there's always a lot of optimism leading into the season uh, as there is for every team. Um, so, no, yeah, it, I don't know if I would guarantee a commitment or anything like that before the season started, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. All right. Well, thank you, Alex, and we're looking forward to seeing you up in Chicago next week. Uh, so thanks for jumping on with us. And uh, if you don't know, Alex, uh, give us uh, g- give our audience uh, where to follow you and, and uh, who you work for. Sure, yeah. It's uh, InsideIndiana.com or uh, you know Indiana.247sports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AK McCarthy. You can follow us at InsideIndiana. And uh, we're going to be having tons of content leading up to the season, tons of content during the season. And, uh, yeah, we'd really appreciate a follow. And uh, thanks for having me on, as always, Sammy. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you in Chicago next week. All right, Alex. Uh, enjoy. Hopefully baseball season gets you through to fall camp. Uh, but other than that, have a great day, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, it's very interesting to, to see what goes into recruiting uh, and and who uh, what influences who, uh, you know it looks like IU's building back has built up some goodwill uh, in Indiana and people have known you know are are familiar with them and don't have to go down to IU all the time to learn about them. So now you see them having a little free time in their schedules and going down. Uh, so that's that's good to see. Uh, but now we're going to bring in our own uh, Nick Holmes. Uh, to go over his top five uh, opposing wide receivers. Uh, Nick, uh, this list uh, was hard to put, uh, you know, put in. It was kind of the opposite of the running backs. Uh, there are a, a ton of talented wide receivers uh, that IU does play. Um, tell us a little bit about your list. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sammy. Um, when we were putting this together, we definitely had quite a bit of difficulty of just paring it down to five. Um, mm-hmm. what's, what's interesting enough is the top four are, um, all Bolitnikoff, uh, award watch list guys, but our number five guy, he's not, um, and there might be a reason for that is he's not a typical wide receiver, Jalen Marshall out of Ohio state and name that, uh, unfortunately most Indiana fans should be, uh, pretty familiar with after he put up four second half touchdowns to kind of, uh, put a, put a stomp on IU's hopes of knocking off the Buckeyes last year. Um, you know, his numbers are outlandish as a wide receiver, 38 catches, 499, uh, six touchdowns. But I, I think in those in those games where he, he demonstrated, you know, he has a lot of playmaking ability, get him the ball in space and let him do the rest of the work. So he's a threat on the ground. He, he rushed the ball a few times, uh, makes some catches, and obviously is a threat on special teams as he had a punt return against IU last fall. Um, number four is is a guy, and 
and TJ, you mentioned this, so far um, we've had a guy from Western Kentucky on our quarterbacks list, a running backs list, so it only makes sense now that we have a guy, uh wide receiver too, Jared Dangerfield. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, it was his first year with Western Kentucky last year. He was a junior college transfer, made 69 catches for 825 yards and 11 touchdowns. In my opinion, those numbers will only get better this year with Brandon Daddy coming back at quarterback for his sixth season. Um, you know, they use him in a multitude of ways on bubble screens, crossing patterns, um, and also on deep throws. So, He's IU's first real test, um, and for our young secondary, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see who draws that assignment. Maybe it's more than two guys, maybe they, or maybe it's two guys and they decide to double-team him. Hopefully it doesn't come to that, but uh, he's, he's proven that he has the ability to uh, take advantage of smaller defensive backs, which right now at corner, most of our guys are 5'11 and shorter, not including uh, Tyler Green in the mix. Yeah, I think I think one thing that is really scary for me about uh, Western Kentucky and specifically Dangerfield um, would be that size of our secondary combined with the inexperience of it. You know, that is going to be a huge test early in the season. One, they really spread the ball around. Uh, Dangerfield's unquestionably the number one target, but they do spread the ball around quite a bit had quite a few guys that had more than 30 or 40 catches. Um, and then, you know, Dowdy, very accurate quarterback that, that has no problem distributing it to the open guy. So I worry about whether or not we can match up with Dangerfield one-on-one. And if you do have to double him, uh, Brandon Dowdy is going to have no problem whatsoever just taking what the defense gives him, which, as we know, the IU defense tends to give quite a bit. Um you know, we I think we're optimistic that it's going to be improved this year, but still, that's the third game of the year for a very young secondary. Unquestionably, the biggest uh, biggest potential weakness for this defense, and it's going to be a huge test for them. I do think one interesting thing you mentioned about Dangerfield, junior college transfer, last year's his first year, um, you know, 825 yards. That's a very successful season this year, but you know that just lets you know junior college transfers cannot be overlooked every season we see multiple juco guys that come in and have a huge impact on a lot of good teams and just for iu you only have to look uh at the same position came patrick i think that um all of us you know, i know that i definitely have high expectations for what came patrick can do uh, Dangerfield's a good example of a wide receiver that can come in from junior college right away and have a big impact no, I, you're exactly right about, you know, all of that. And another junior college uh, guy who just actually made it to the pros, Kevin White, you know, he came in, yeah. had a solid year at Western, or, uh, Western Virginia and, you know, now he, West Virginia, sorry. And, uh, you know, now he's making banks. So I I think you're exactly right. Our hopes are high that uh, Patrick can come in and, you know, provide Sudfeld with that big target that he was, you know, lacking last fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the next guy on our list was Hamilton, right? Deshaun Hamilton? Yeah, and the interesting thing about Hamilton is he did lead the conference with um, 82 catches, but, you know, as he only freshman. had 100. Yeah, as a freshman, um, he only had 899 yards, which, you know, doesn't really come out to a lot of yards per catch, and he only made it to the end zone twice last fall. 
So uh, I think well, that's – sorry, go ahead. The, the, the lack of yards per catch is probably due to, you know, they have no offensive line and they probably had to, you know, run a lot of short routes. At least that's what it looked like when they played IU. They didn't take very many shots down the field just because Hackenberg did not have enough time to do that. So um, you're right, putting him on the list there, he's very talented. And, you know, if they do get better line play, uh, his numbers should skyrocket. No, I, that's exactly right. I mean, um, he's he's even mentioned, he's went on record as saying, like, he's he's working on becoming more of a deep threat. And like you say, unless the offensive line holds up, gives Hackenberg more than two or three seconds to stand back there and find his receivers, it's not going to matter. So, yeah, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. The offensive line's a big key to that. Yeah, but th- right. Deshaun Hamilton was an interesting guy for me because that catch rate, uh, he kind of was hard for me to figure out just looking at the numbers. Um, you know, on the one hand, you have him leading the conference in reception uh, in receptions with 82. Uh, the other hand, the target rate was below, uh, excuse me, the catch rate was below 60%. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just 59.4, but again, I think a lot of that can be attributed just based off of the, one, the IU game, and two, the other Penn State games that I saw, a lot of that is based off of that offensive line not being able to provide adequate protection for Christian Hackenberg, and I think it has to be said, Hackenberg was not all that accurate last season, and yeah, Mm -hmm. you can chalk some up to the offensive line, but I think some of that is going to be on one, a young receiving core with, you know, Geno Lewis and Chris Godwin are two other really young wide receivers uh, joining Hamilton that could be just sensational this year and next. Um, but two, you know, Hackenberg just needs to be a little bit more accurate, even if he doesn't have great protection. But, you know, the catch rate, not what you'd want. The two touchdowns, not what you'd want. I think mm-hmm. that those things can be attributed to it. So I think we'd split the difference and, and put him – uh, put him right in the middle of our list, but you know, a sensational player that, uh, you know, again, kind of a physical presence that IU is going to have a little bit of a, a hard time dealing with. He looks like a, a pro receiver, no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, he's got you know, he's got the he's got the great size, obviously the the good hands. Um, another Bolitnikoff Award watch list nominee. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, this list is could be fluid. You know, as the season goes on, you know, you do a power rankings of the wide receivers in the Big Ten. And he could be at the top one week, and, you know, the next week number one or number two on her list could bump up higher. So that actually brings me to number two. Um, and, and, TJ, you and I were talking about this, or at least from our perspective, it seems like Michael Thomas might be a little, I wouldn't say underrated, but maybe overlooked on his own team at times. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, yeah, he, led the national champs in catches, you know, led the national champs in catches and receiving yards. And I, I don't think you would really get many casual college football fans to know that. I did not know that he led them in receiving yards. I knew that he was their, their leading catch guy, but I kind of took him for just a possession receiver that they you know, kind of went to the security blanket. But he, he proved to be a lot more than that. Yeah. And, and he comes from great pedigree. He's uh you know, former uh, NFLer Keyshawn Johnson's uh, nephew. So, I, you know, he has the physical, uh, you know, the genes to do it and the, the physical uh, ability, and he's shown it on the field. 
And yeah, you're right. He's totally overlooked um, as that. And he's not a name you mention uh, with the the OSU offense. You, you hear about Ezekiel Elliott. You hear about Jalen Marshall. You hear about the three quarterbacks. But you know, mm-hmm. Michael Thomas is is totally overlooked. Yeah, I mean, it's whether it's fair or unfair. You know, I mean, obviously, it just it kind of shows the embarrassment of riches that they actually have on offense. But another an interesting stat is. At no point during the 2014 season did he actually go over 100 receiving yards in a game. So not really a knock on him. It just says, you know, Buckeyes have depth. Yeah. Yeah, I think he got more than eight targets every game. Um, So it was just very consistent, just very, very consistent output from Michael Thomas the entire season. Um, And you're right, just an embarrassment of riches is a good way to put it. I think number two is a, a perfectly fair spot for him. I don't think he's the most most talented receiver in the Big Ten, but he's one of the more productive, and, and he has plenty of talent. Um, I don't think the most, but he has plenty of talent to get things done for Ohio State, and I, I would expect another really good year for him. Um, you know, the guy that we put at number one, one of the difficult things about this list for me when I was putting together my personal rankings to send to you guys was, uh, what exactly are we – how are we going to discount or evaluate a guy that has major quarterback questions? Um, and that's what Beyonce Carew has. Yeah, I mean, me and TJ were – or I'm sorry, me and Sammy were um, texting back and forth about that the other night. You know, who are they going to end up going with at quarterback? And I even mentioned that in my article, you know, um, obviously – if if you're, you know, a new starting quarterback, it's great to have a guy like Carew out there. But he he took a pretty big risk coming back, not just because of potential injury, but, you know, if a quarterback's not there, not getting you the ball in the place to make plays, you're really hurting yourself um, as a potential pro prospect. And yep. uh, some, something that I didn't realize is that Carew um, also went to Don Bosco Prep with Nova, so they actually played in high school together prior to playing at Rutgers together. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it was a, well. I know for me, it was a big surprise he came back. I was I was very surprised. Yeah, it kind of reminds you of uh, was it before the 2011 season when Wilson came in? You saw Doss leave for the NFL, and you saw mm-hmm. Belcher return. Now Belcher obviously didn't work out for whatever reasons, but he also had Edward Wright Baker and. Uh, Dusty Keel throwing to him uh, that year, and they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, uh, you know, with a, a hot air balloon. So uh, it, it, it's it's kind of like that that situation. So yeah, it is very surprising when he uh, that he's come back, uh, but he absolutely destroyed Indiana last year on only mm-hmm. five catches. He averaged 25 yards a, a, a catch. He had two touchdowns. Um, the guy is just a player, and, you know, the quarterbacks, you don't know what you have in uh, Lavanio, who's completed less than 40% of his passes last year. And Reddick set out last year after transferring from LSU, but he was a highly uh, touted quarterback coming out of high school. So IU plays them October 17th. Who knows um, who will be quarterback? I could see Redding playing, uh, but – you know, maybe the talent is uh, talent is there enough at, at that position to help Carew out uh, become a, a bigger playmaker for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, what stood out to me about Carew, um, he 
average. I mean, at 25 yards per catch, that was not that much of an outlier, believe it or not. Uh, mm-hmm. He averaged 19.7 yards per catch for the year. I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's the best deep ball threat um, in the conference. I think Ohio State might have the second with, with Noah Brown um, that is not on our list just based on lack of experience and production so far. But uh, Leontay Carew, I think, is the biggest, best deep ball threat that the Big Ten has and one of the best the country has. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not the quarterback can can get it close enough for him to pull it in. So um, uh, he's definitely the him and the running back stable that they have is um, really the two major things that can give Rutgers fans some hope for this year. Uh, I don't think there's a lot else for them to to look at real glowingly at the moment. Um, but I think that those two things, Carew and the running back stable, give them a ch- excuse me a chance to. Uh, to maybe finish fourth or fifth in the in the Big Ten East if if they can get decent quarterback play. Yeah, yeah. My my. Sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, we're we're running out of time, so I, I wanted to wrap it up here in a minute. I was just going to say my biggest my biggest takeaway from all of this um, is that you know IU secondary is going to have to grow up fast. We've said it time and time again. We're young. Mm-hmm. We're a little undersized. But if they can get things together early on, that's going to give this team so much more hope of playing 13 this fall. Good point. Yep. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and we'll find out fairly early. Hopefully, uh, personally, I think that, uh, you know, having blowout games against SIU and FIU would help immensely. You get, a, you know, create a little depth on in the defensive backfield uh, by getting them in some games. Uh you know, you don't want it so much to where all the opponents are, are uh, running the ball. But, you know, if Indiana wins 70-3, to three, uh, nobody's going to complain. Uh, but no. anyway, uh, you can check out Nick's list on HoosierHuddle.com. It will be posted uh, later this afternoon. Uh, it, it's a great list. He'll go into more depth about it. Um, if you have, you know, if you disagree or if you agree, please leave comments. We love conversation. Uh, I know TJ and Nick love interacting with the fans, uh, as do I. So, you know, you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Nick's Twitter is at Hoosier Holmes. Uh, TJ's is at TJ Hoosier Huddle. And I'm uh, at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, leave a comment in the comment section. Uh, we love all responses. Uh, you know, just keep it clean. Don't take any unnecessary shots um, at anybody. Uh, but other than that, you could say basically whatever you want. Uh, guys, thanks for joining uh, today, and uh, we'll have a great show lined up next week. It might come up from Chicago. Uh, I'll be on the way up to media days, so we'll have questions uh, ready for the coaching staff and players up there. Uh, anyway, guys, enjoy the rest of your week, and thanks for jumping on today. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, that does it for this edition of Inside the Huddle. We'll be back next week uh, with a media day uh, edition of of Inside the Huddle. So thank you for joining us, and uh, come back to HoosierHuddle.com uh, early and often. As we have new content every day, we continue our uh, countdown and our top five pieces, as well as season previews and season reviews from last year. All right, have a great day.